Welcome to Sam Maggie Hakley, fresh off the presses. We were just chatting about Stardew Valley. And I've paused my game. Okay. Okay. Yes. Great game, by the way. Just if you if you didn't already know. Yeah. Well, I've I've definitely played way too much of it over the past three ish years of my life. Right. Uh, And I have a Stardew Valley themed tattoo. I mean, you could Which, definitely go further than that. So I, I think I you're. Guess. It's pretty healthy. Um, yeah, totally, but, totally. But the main, I wanted to bring in my sweet transition that only Maggie got to hear and share it with yeah. you folks. We're gonna move from an idyllic paradise where homophobia doesn't exist to this episode of Glee, which is <laughs> yay. I, it's season three, episode seven. I kissed a girl, and it is the opposite. It's very bad. Well, I mean. There are, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in this episode, and I'm very excited to get into it and yeah. just sort of tear Finn a new one. Oh my uh, god, yes. Kind of rip his whole body apart until oh he is uh, sort of like that weird fetus Voldemort from <laughs> the end of the, of the seventh book. Uh you know, uh, just sort of squirming, crying out in pain, unwilling to admit that he's done something horrible. I know. Yeah. So, let's, yeah, I'm that that is I, I was watching it again to take notes and Chris was around. Um, but I did. Sure. I, I I told him I was like, if if at any point in this episode, Finn just straight up apologized to Santana for what he it would did. Be a completely different game. Right. Exactly. Like instead. OK, no. Let's let's get in. Yeah, we're we're gonna get there. Let's go plot point by plot point. I because I, I want to have the Finn rant in context. Okay, so, so let let's get through the garbage first. Originally, yeah. this episode originally aired on November twenty ninth, two thousand eleven, with seven point nine million viewers, which is up from last week, which had seven point zero eight. So, going back up. Good job, Glee. Woohoo! Uh, it was directed by Tate Donovan. Who hasn't directed a Glee episode before? So okay, okay. and uh, written by Matthew Hodgson. Okay, so that name doesn't sound familiar either. But yeah, and he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I don't know. Okay, cool. Well, and let's jump right in. So we get to the recap as we always do. We cover Cannon, which is a much better couple name than Shooter. Well, um, okay. Here's my <laughs> thing. So just. For transparency, our listener Joe, yeah, who is Joe. who who is someone who has contributed a Honestly, lot to the show, third co-host. <laughs> yes, like, co-host co-host emeritus. Would that work here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Um, but yeah. So Joe reached out to us in email. We'll go over some of the other things later. But Joe did bring up the fact that there are two names for this couple yeah. relationship. And we picked Shooter when Cannon was available. Um, the one the, note that I have... Can't, there oh. could be some like logistical problem there. Because we use Cannon, C-A-N-O-N, to describe you know, truth about the Glee universe. I guess my bigger problem was that we might get it confused with the human Cannon. The, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and it's an... two twin 
cannon babies. Yes, who is an integral part of the care of the show. So you never know. You just want to make sure we distance those two things. Um, you know, it's a shame that they haven't put the human cannon in the credits. Honestly, rude. <laughs> yeah, how else is it going to get that name recognition so that way it can support its family? Um, yeah, anyway. so that it can get its next big project. Uh, in the in the recap, we also cover various elections. There's mm-hmm. the real world election with uh, Sue and Bert, and there's the high school election with Kurt and Brittany being our main uh, yes. candidates at this point. Yeah, and then we also get a mention of the slap on NBC. Uh, but this time it's on Fox. Yeah, it's the Santana slap fin. The slap heard round the world. Um, yeah. So from there we jump right into Figgins's office, where yeah. Figgins is informing Santana that she will be suspended because she is not white and straight, or she's not white and she's also not straight. Um, so unlike all those white straight men that hurt each other all the time at school, she will get suspended for doing yeah. a violent thing. He says that, like, there's a zero-tolerance policy for violence, uh, except we have seen Finn punch Puck in the face. And have no repercussions. That has happened, right? Yes. Not not only that, like, he's like, oh, slushies aren't considered weapons by the school board. Right, um, yes, because Santana which, does bring that up, which, thank you, I guess. Like, what the fuck? It's stupid. Got Whatever. We, yeah. Whatever. No, it's he threatens Santana with a two week suspension, and yeah. she reveals that she has an a, a, another evil personality. I thought that was a nice phrasing. My other evil personality is the exact yes. uh, quote. Uh, Snicks. Yes, uh, which the the subtitles let us know has three X's in it. It's S. Oh, I thought it was only two. I like three better though. Yes. But, Three yeah. fast, two furious. Uh, yeah, she um says that everything that Snick says is called Snick's juice, <laughs> and <laughs> that she can't be persecuted for anything that Snick's does because uh she's sort of like the Incredible Hulk. Yes, right. Um, yeah. the The big thing here is that this suspension will mean that she won't be able to go to sectionals. Yeah. Um, and so. What my theory is here, because in the back of this, we have Will, who is vindictively oh, supportive of this uh Yeah, he's like, he, with like a little smirk on his, on his face, he's like, you slapped Finn. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck well, you, Will. Fuck off. Well, that's the thing, is uh, it's obvious that Will is supporting this because it will cripple the trouble tones. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a vindictive vendetta that he has against Santana. Yeah, he and hates he her. has always like disliked Santana because she undermines his authority, rightfully so. Uh, <laughs> and also because she's mean to Finn. Like, yeah, and Will loves Finn. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, Finn sort of picks up on what's going on here, and he's just like, I, she didn't slap me. Yes. Like, he, he just straight up lies uh, when everyone turns to Finn, and uh, he's just like, yeah, it, it didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah. We, we haven't gone this. I did make a note. And when I watched it the first time, I was surprised because I yeah. Finn actually does something good for once in his yeah, life. Yeah, this is actually a good thing that Finn has done. <laughs> yeah, this lie, this lie is a good one. Um, And Will is flabbergasted yeah. that Finn would what not tell doing, the Finn? truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, so then Figgins is 
Finn clarifies that Santana will not get suspended if she didn't yep. actually hit him. Figgins seems okay, I guess, whatever. Um, and then we cut right to after this meeting, uh, Santana yeah. and Finn are talking in the hallway. They have a chat alone. Uh, Finn phrase, like tells her that he lied because he wants a fair fight at sectionals with like the full trouble tones. And Santana's like, oh, well, it would only be fair if I didn't perform. Right. So, yeah. And this is where we get uh, the beginning of like a law, like episode recurring theme where Finn mansplains Santana's pain. Yes. Uh, he's just like, listen, I think you're awesome. And I love that you are gay and I love you. Uh, and I realize that you're only mean to everyone because you hold a lot of pain inside. Uh. <laughs> but like, no, you're, you're absolutely right. My, my note on this is that one of the things that I'm really, I, I it's, it seemed obvious to me that Finn feels guilty. Yeah, that's that's totally how it feels. We okay. So the reason why Santana is outed is because of Finn. Yes. Primarily, right? Like, yes. Of course, Salazar is an immoral, corrupt villain, but we never see him ever. Um, well, and, and like, yeah. But Finn is the one who like screamed at Santana halfway across the hallway about how she's ashamed of her orientation. So. Yes. Yeah, so, it's Finn's fault. It's obviously Finn's fault. The show refuses Finn's to fault. acknowledge that Finn knows it's his fault, but I will say it for the show. This is Finn's fault, and he should feel bad. And he yeah. obviously does, which is nice. But but he never fucking apologizes. Like, he no. can't seem to bring himself to say, hey, I'm sorry for outing you. Like, he never, he never well, says that. And what's more offensive is the show decides that instead of having him apologize, he's going to be this kind of white knight figure. That is yeah. supposed like crusading in for Santana's yeah, freedom that, to choose what her sexuality is because they literally say that in the episode and that they pissed do, me off. They do say they use choose in that context and it is very it is very bad, very gnarly. Yes. And yes, like I just <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. So to forward the plot here, we're gonna we'll have plenty of time to talk about how shitty Finn is because it'll happen a couple more times where he is on, vocally on, shitty. On that note, he shittily holds the suspension over Santana's head unless she comes to the Glee room to go through and this is, lesson that he's made. Yeah, is manipulated by Finn for the rest of the week. Yes. There you go. So Rachel uh, has a monologue in the next scene. She's walking down the hallway. Uh, talking about how, um, like, she's worried about Kurt's, how Kurt's not going to win. Uh, she's tried to tattle on Britney's, like, bribery <laughs> of, of pixie sticks. Uh, but it didn't work because Figgins himself was eating a pixie stick at the time. Yep. And she sort of frames uh, the possibility of Kurt not winning rather selfishly. <laughs> she, I wrote down the like, quote, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'll have to move to New York without my best gay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which she then brings oh, up a couple Rachel. scenarios where, you know, she might uh, need an emergency souffle or mm -hmm. I forgot something about a, her wardrobe. Like a, a, yeah. a makeover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the scene transitions from this like weird anxiety, selfish monologue uh, to uh, an interview with Jacob Ben Israel and Kurt where JBI is 
telling Kurt uh, about how poorly he's doing in the race. Yeah. Uh, Kurt is ahead of nearly dead Rick the Stick, <laughs> who who is in a medically induced coma. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm really surprised that Glee didn't hammer that point harder, you know, in the sense yeah. that last week we talked about how terrible dodgeball <laughs> is or whatever. Leave him alone. Can't you see he's bleeding? Where, where's the where's the dramatization of this hockey injury, Glee? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And Kurt is behind Brittany, obviously. Uh, he's also wearing a studded kerchief in this scene. Kurt's, I bring it up. Okay, Kurt's wardrobe this scene or this episode, this entire episode is bonkers. I loved it. I loved all of it, actually. <laughs> I'm not I saying have multiple in a bad notes way. about it. <laughs> I'm just saying that some of it I just don't understand. And well, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, you. I wouldn't classify you as the most fashionable person, Sam. I'd no, say I, I, I am totally wholeheartedly with that. I am not the most fashionable person. <laughs> For this scene, Kurt then talks to Rachel about how he wants to pull a JFK, which yeah. Rachel immediately assumes means that he wants to assassinate the yeah, president. he wants to shoot Brittany. But instead, um, Kurt gives a little history lesson about the fact that JFK, the only reason he won Illinois is because he got the mob to stuff ballot boxes for him. And he does compare himself to Kennedy um, in that his hairline is just as impeccable. And Rachel's just like, oh, yes, I know. <laughs> as if they've like <laughs> talked about it before, I which saying. I loved that. Yeah, it means that they definitely have had this conversation before. Um, <laughs> what, what political figure would you say my hairline is most like? <laughs> oh, well, that's harder for uh, Rachel, okay. don't you think? Yeah, because there aren't uh, any women in p- politics with bangs. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I bring up the studded kerchief partly for the fashion point, but also because I'm going to be referencing it a little bit later in the episode. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Note, note that it's here. Right. Okay. <laughs> One another note. Also, next scene presumably happens during the next the same day. Right? Is it the same day? Because they're all wearing different outfits. <laughs> See, that's the question I was about to bring up. Kurt is wearing something very different. <laughs> So let's talk about it. It's Rachel's oh wearing God. something different too. Okay, so it can't be the same day. Time just doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but this week is we're unstuck. Quote: Lady Music Week. Lady um, Music Week. Because Finn's brilliant idea is that they're going to have everyone appropriate female culture, specifically That's really not... like lesbian culture. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything negative about appropriation as like cultural appropriation happens all the time it's not necessarily offensive Uh, i do have a youtube video or two i could recommend on the topic if you're interested but like i'm not saying it's uh, like a the the reason like appropriating uh like and like female culture doesn't really exist i think because like i i guess there's like certain aspects uh, of being feminine that are like well the reason i don't the thing know that i'm the thing the reason i don't like it is one it's finn's idea um and he's white and straight and he's trying to make up for what yeah, he did or whatever like, I, I have a note here that says finn should just apologize for outing her wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> like well, it's just so obvious that he's i don't know if it's like the performance that Corey Monteith is giving or just like the context of what's happening, but it sort of feels like there's a weight on Finn's shoulders knowing that he did something bad, but seeing 
seeming physically incapable of apologizing. Well, that's, yeah. In this scene, he pulls this shitty, like, we care about you Santana thing. And I I was just like, apologize. It's not that hard. Just say you're sorry for outing her publicly. That's Um, that's the only thing. I'm not saying that's the only thing Finn needs to do, but it's like such a big. Like, (laughs) yeah, it is the first thing you should do instead of like having all of your friends sing for right. a week yeah you Which, know yeah the the other reason i put it down that way is because santana in the show does say oh so i don't have a say in this it's just yeah, happening she's to just me. like oh so this is just gonna happen uh finn has a little speech where he's like everybody knows about Brittany and your relationship here and we all love you and uh i don't like how much like proselytizing everyone lets finn do yeah uh, I think if I was in this situation, I'd be like, okay, so I know that you're the one who outed her, and I don't really want to support this. Right. See, that's part of it, too, is that it, it comes back to the same thing that Glee does time and time again, where things out of context have a somewhat good message. Like, during this monologue, Finn does say some stuff where he's like, this is the like this is made maybe one of the only safe places in like this really shitty awful world where you know people will be really awful to you because of your sexual orientation. He does say that you chose, which is like Oh yeah, this is where the ch- the chose bit comes up. Like he's like we give you the space for you to choose who you really are. And it's just like what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> which yeah, <laughs> like, again like I'm not about that bullshit. But some like, of that wor- like wording, right? Yeah. Like like yeah. as uh as the people writing this show, at least we can assume that some of them are queer folks. Yeah. Brian Murphy is like supposedly a champion of gay rights. Right. Yeah. Uh, they should know that like using choose or like chosen, anything like that, and that sort of language, it's like dog whistling to yeah. homophobes. Yeah, which that's the the problem is that later in this episode, we do have a character who does use it in the way that a homophobic person does, where they're assuming that someone has a choice in who they're attracted to, like, orientation-wise. So, yeah, the, like, it's clear that you understand that people do that. So why did you write it this way? For Finn, who is supposedly not a homophobe anymore, except totally is. Unless you're, like, trying to imply that, which is bewildering to me because this plot line makes no sense already. Well, I think there can be, like, space in queer theory to be, like, you can actively choose who you're attracted to. I think there is space to say that. However, like, in glee it's so boiled down to like these base ideas right that and like the the target audience is so general that they shouldn't be using this sort of language like it's not chill especially when they're trying to present this as the haven or whatever for being open and honest and for being who you are for for choosing to be who you are (laughs) right obviously uh so (laughs) now (laughs) At Lady Music Week, the opening ceremonies of Lady Music Week are kicked off by Klain, uh doing... It's prefaced that this is their, like, car serenade yeah, song. I don't, 
Honestly, <laughs> part of part of the other thing about this with the Lady Music Week, yeah, is that, is that there are so men much sing all of them, right? And also that men talk about all of them, and yes. it's just like a big sausage fest for this, which I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, it's I thought not... that was a little weird. Yeah, but so Clayne is Clayne is singing "Perfect" by Pink. Um, yeah, because we know we already know that Blaine is obsessed with Pink. Exactly. Which, <laughs> and, to be fair, who uh, isn't? Like, <laughs> true. Uh, Santana uh, starts off like this uh, thing, being pretty antagonistic, saying that Blaine needs a gel intervention, a yes. gelvention. <laughs> yes. Well, Santana is pretty rude to everyone in this episode. Re- understandably so at the beginning here yeah for sure um which people get offended when she calls finn fetus face and i'm like <laughs> but he kind of is um but anyway back to uh, like if you mixed yeah. an old old man with a fetus yes exactly um but uh santana does say that she's trying really hard but it's really hard when their bow ties are just so glaringly offensive yeah. to her um uh kurt is wearing like a a sweater half, half. turtleneck <laughs> yeah so you remember la- uh was it two episodes ago where he met with sebastian and blaine at the lima bean yes he wears like another like diagonally cut half oh my god sweater okay coat that, thing yeah because this is <laughs> This is bewildering to me. I don't understand. I sort of like the silhouette of it uh, and like the the sideways cut. I would wear that. Absolutely. I don't know if I would wear it in the the colors that Kurt wears it in. The like Uh, beige with the red button up shirt underneath. Yeah. Like maybe pure white if you're going to go for the, the beige is just sort of. I don't know about the beige. Yeah, it's definitely a yellow snow vibe, but I just, <laughs> my thing is, it completely defeats the purpose of a sweater. You no, have it long doesn't. sleeves. It's on the... most of his body. <laughs> but it has that big hole in it. I mean, I don't know. It's fine. It, it's, you, it's, it's a very fashion. striking image. I agree. I think it's very striking, which is, it's great because both of us noticed it, unlike the yeah. last time, I guess. Uh, so. Did you notice Blaine's rap? Yes, Blaine raps during this song. Also, everyone else kind of notices too. Santana, yeah. Santana, I I am so pleased with Naya Rivera's acting in this episode. For oh the most yeah, because like, she she's got a real stink face on. She she does perk up a little bit at Blaine's rapping abilities, which yeah. is yeah. I mean, they are it's respectable. Like the, the reactions from the club are like half eye rolling, half like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's very good. Um, but it's a good number. I mean, there are, are randomly violins. Yes. Uh and yeah, the number's fine. Uh Blaine jumps around a lot. Kurt just sort of stands in one spot unmoved. I mean, that's their aesthetic, Maggie. It almost definitely is. But yeah. Uh, Santana yeah. ends the scene by thanking them for adding that horror to the others that have been perpetrated in her life yeah because uh, it starts off with her being like thank you for making me watch that horrible thing like, it's, <laughs> it's great i love her so much yes. so the next scene is sue's journal uh sue is uh, reasserting her heterosexuality oh my god yes well part of it that's really funny <laughs> did you here, like the list <laughs> yes and also the um 
she she uses the phrase people think I'm a friend of Ellen. Yeah. Which, which is she never just she never says people think I'm a lesbian. She never says that. No. It's just like why would people think that I'm not into men when I've married myself? I have very short hair. I only wear tracksuits and I coach a girl's sport. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh um, which are are definitely not in indications of someone's sexual orientation, obviously. No. But yeah. the list is funny. I think it it's is. also funny because Jane Lynch is, is a so obviously a lesbian. Yes, that's well, that was part of it. Is I was like, when she, she uses the phrase specifically, a friend of Ellen, and I'm like, I'm yeah. pretty sure she is friends with Ellen in yeah, real I'm, life. I'm so. almost definitely positive she's friends with Ellen because they go to the same hairstylist. Yes. So... But, yeah. Yeah. Um, she pulls out there, her black book. Of yeah, men. That's, it says Sue's booty calls <laughs> on the like embossed on the cover. Yes, uh, and there is a funny moment where she's like, "I need to find a booty call uh, because I like men, even though I can't stand meeting or talking to them." <laughs> uh, she she needs like a, a man arm candy for. The campaign, basically, yes. to yeah. prove that she isn't a lesbian. Yeah. Uh, there are some pretty uh, standout dudes in this booty call list. I have the full list. Okay, yeah. I are mean, you, are I you ready say, for it? Let's not call them standout. I mean, <laughs> they are some of them. I'm are... not saying that they're like impeccable people. I'm okay. just saying that it's surprising that they're on this list. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, there are a few who I don't know. Uh, Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz is an American actor, director, and producer. Oh, okay. Uh, he played Rocky Dennis in the biographical film drama Mask, which I guess is not the Jim Carrey film. So yeah, Eric Stoltz. He looks like a. He sort of looks like if you um, gave Seth Green a jawline. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, then there's Todd Bridges. Who's that? Different Strokes star Todd Bridges recounts abuse to Dr. Oz. Yikes. Uh, then there's Vladimir Putin. Yep. Uh, that one is cute. It has like a little like uh, almost a heart above the eye. It's like a little like circle. You know how uh, some people dot their eyes with little circles? That, yes. <laughs> that's on that one. Uh, the Vladimir Putin one is cute because at first it says call through the Russian embassy and then that's marked out and then there's a home phone number. Oh, that's so cute. Because <laughs> uh, Putin, I guess, liked her enough to give her the direct line. Then there's Dan Quayle. I don't know who that is. American politician and lawyer who served as the 44th Vice President of the United States. Okay, sure. Uh, then there's Stephen Baldwin. Absolutely a lesser Baldwin. Uh, yes. She says that he's too needy, which I, I'm sure that's true. Then there's Oliver North. Who's that? Isn't that the guy who did the um, like CIA campaigns of... Oh, Oliver North to be NRA's new president. Oh, cool. How good. Uh, then the next one is Matt Lauer, which oh. has not aged well. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, just a note, he was involved with the Iran-Contra affair. That's the one oh. that he's big for. Uh, cool, Oliver great. Oliver North, yeah. Uh, Matt Lauer is in good okay. company then. Like, this is an accurate spot for him to be. That was, I was going to say... Do is this a think... Hollywood insider thing? Yeah, I think it might have been. If If you're putting a list of people that are kind of shitty together and you put matt lauer on it like yeah i would say i i don't know if it was necessarily a joke um yeah 
Yeah. Well, that's it's it's a fun look. Um, maybe this is just a sign that Ryan Murphy himself is a time traveler. Yeah. Then there's Johnny Cochran, uh, which I've heard the name before, uh, but I don't care enough to remember who it is. <laughs> and she closes off the list with David Boreanaz of Mr. Bones fame. Mr. Also, Bones. Also, uh, he's Angel from Buffy. Okay. Oh, and Cochran. now he plays like a like oh. a full on very uh, army man on TV. Okay, I do need to point out Johnny Cochran was an American lawyer best known for his leadership role in the defense and criminal acquittal of O.J. Simpson. Yep. Okay. Sure. So that list is fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but so Sue seems to settle on someone. Not named Eureka. She just says, Eureka, I found someone, which I if was only, a little confused. If yeah. only it was Eureka O'Hara. <laughs> yeah. So You know what I'm saying? She just comes in with that enormous hair loaf and is like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look like a woman, but I'm a man. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't know if that would help Sue so much with no, this whole... It, yeah. it really wouldn't. Uh, so the next scene is uh, Shannon eating a full turducken. Meme. Oh, yes. <laughs> eating a meme. Yes. Shannon eating a meme in real time uh, in the teacher's lounge. Uh, Emma is disgusted by this. <laughs> well, would you be? It's gross. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but so, um, so then Will arrives and Shannon explains to Emma that she has been kind of carb loading a lot recently. Yeah, she's, she's protein deficient because her nights are busy. Which, okay, this, I don't know whether to be like, I don't know how to feel about this because yeah. Glee is making a joke here that Shannon is insinuating in a sense that she and Cooter are boning well, a yeah. lot. There is absolutely the visual metaphor. <laughs> like, there's a cutaway to... Shannon and Cooter weightlifting together, like him spotting her on the bench. Yeah. And yeah, like it is very much in plot. It's basically the opening to a porn film. Like it is, it's pretty intense because Cooter's like, oh, do you think you can handle this? And Shannon's like, give it to me. Well, that's the thing. It's it's very it's very much a porn film though. It's not how real people talk. Yeah. Then there's some groaning. Like, well, Ugh, yeah, there, and then there's she a, it. yeah, she, she, it does it in slow-mo, which makes it sound like a moo, which I found very offensive. I was like, oh, we didn't sure. need that in slow-mo. But yeah, th- so it sounds like when she's telling it to Wemma, especially, it comes off as very innuendo where she's, which, she says some things like Cooter's making me do things I never thought I could do before and things like yeah. that, which is weird. And, like, it's funny, but also it's not very funny because what this is actually telling us is that they're not, it's not a relationship. They're just working out together. Yeah, it's um, confused for sure. I think, like, I'm not sure the sex metaphor by itself is inherently negative or anything i think no, it's fine i think, I think it I would think, be i think it I is kind of funny yeah yeah and the visual metaphor like the like cut and the editing of that little moment is well done like it definitely implies yes what it's supposed to uh in the context of the episode it it takes on a little bit more like negativity though especially yeah. retrospectively yeah what can you do like if it had just been if this was like a an offhand joke last episode i would have i, I would have found it much more enjoyable 
Yeah, I, I think, think so, too. The context of this episode makes it a lot worse. Um, yeah, Shannon then uh, makes sure that Wemma will help with counting ballots for the election. Yeah. Next scene is Melissa Etheridge. It's the Melissa Etheridge episode, Maggie. Finally, except it's not sung by a woman. It's sung by Puck, who I guess if you squint could look like a butch lesbian. Yeah, he sings I Am the Only One, which is by Melissa Etheridge. Um and he seems to be singing towards Shelby, which most, yeah. multiple people notice during yeah, this so song. Yeah, so the way that it's set up, Quinn is sat, like, a little bit in, like, in front of Shelby, slightly off to the side. So, but we know that Puck is singing to Shelby because we get multiple shots of, like, Shelby feeling uncomfortable with yes. Puck looking at her. Uh, yeah, um... The song is fine. Yeah, Puck I, is yeah, carrying around an acoustic acoustic guitar that he doesn't seem to strum at all. <laughs> it's for it's set dressing, Maggie. It it's is. so that way nobody can see his huge boner um, <laughs> again. Yeah, which I don't know. Again, I think the song is fine as well. Um, it's just once again, it's a man singing. Like the concept yeah, why of did, this why is did just they have to awful. turn a Melissa Etheridge song into a hetero like? love weird tension garbage thing yeah it sucks um but the song is fine um oh and this is where we get some timeline fuckery because kurt is wearing the studded kerchief okay so this must have from the jfk conversation well but that can't that doesn't make me then the jfk conversation must have happened after the first day of lady music week did it i don't know i mean i don't know i don't know (laughs) But so let, let's move on to a scene that must follow the one we just saw. It has to because of what's oh, 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 in it. Oh, 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 I do want to close off the like the Puck song with, um, how, okay, so Santana seems to actually enjoy this one. Yes. Uh, and Puck is like, I know this is just a phase, but I want to support you. <laughs> I mean, that came off at least a little jokey to me. In yeah, the sense- it sort of comes off as a joke uh, because like, they used to be lovers, yes. so maybe it's chill. I don't, the the other reason is because Puck is essentially okay because everyone saw him staring at Shelby for yes. the whole song. So I think he's trying to cover the fact that he was singing it at Shelby. Yeah, because he he yeah. there's like a misdirect where he's yes. like, I want to dedicate this song to Santana. <laughs> like, yes. So yeah, um, so yeah, so then the next scene. Uh oh, Quinn is confronting Puck about how he sang at Shelby for that entire song. Yeah, she uh, <laughs> she tries to call his bluff by being like, "Fuck me, huh?" Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Her, 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 so yeah, so first she she like is like, "Well, you were staring at Shelby that whole time," and Puck does something where he's like. Well, I wanted you know, her to think that I'm the only one who could babysit for Beth. Yeah, that song was really about babysitting for me. Um, but, um, Jesus. Well, speaking of Jesus, then Quinn pulls out the fact that her mom is on the Jesus Booze Cruise yes, down course. the Ohio River. So she has the house to herself. She wants Puck to come over and give it to her. Give it to her good. And Puck's like, uh, okay, so I think you're nuts. Uh, you I'm, are higher maintenance than Rachel Barry, and oof. you're the most selfish person I've ever met. And 
And he finishes it off with maybe like one of the best, but also like most terrible things to say to someone. Well, I'd like ra- one of the best puck lines in a while, definitely. Yes. He tells Quinn, I'd rather raw dog a beehive. Um, which. <laughs> well, we know he doesn't use condoms. Right. So well. he would be raw dogging the beehive, of anyway, course. Anyway, yeah. Oh, God. It's just. <laughs> I uh, I, do- I don't really approve of calling Quinn crazy uh, yes, because I don't uh I don't I just don't like that. Um yeah. but calling her high maintenance and selfish is definitely those are both definitely both true. Right. Uh, yes. So No, that's true. Yeah, I I agree. I am also uncomfortable with saying you're nuts to a woman yeah. because it seems like it's misogynistic. Yeah. It's gross. Uh, the next scene is some more gross patriarch- patriarchal garbage. It's uh, Finn and Santana at the lockers. And Santana's like, you realize you're forcing me out of the closet. And Finn says, it's the ad that's forcing you out of the closet. And right. this is where I was like, but the ad is your fault. Yes. So you are... forcing Santana out of the closet and you're gaslighting her by telling her it's not you. Right. Well, so that's in addition to this, we also find out that apparently Finn's reasoning for all of this is that there was that kid who did the it gets better video that killed themselves. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm doing this so that you don't commit suicide. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it's sort of like cows Santana a little bit, which is Glee lying to us that this exactly. is an all right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, honestly, fuck Finn. Like yeah. he can fuck right off. He can go die in a ditch. Which I, I put again, they, some of the conversation here is kind of sweet in the sense of like, I care about you. I want you to be like you were my first or whatever. But the context of this is just heinous. Yeah, it's, it's just awful. Finn, li- like Finn, straight up lying. Yes, it sucks. Yes, um, which speaking of this sucks, let's move to the immediate next thing, which is Finn starting a cover of "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," but as a dirge. Yeah, it's it's definitely just sort of taking his mansplaining like argument to a musical level, right? Uh, because it's just. It, it, the boys, Finn and Artie on lead, uh, sing about how girls just want to have fun, yeah. which the song is so different from a feminine context because it is about, like, patriarchal oppression. Yes. Uh, so when a man is singing it, it just sort of sounds like... It, it's not as it's not as good. Like, it's just not as good. No, I agree. Part of it, too, is that every single person involved with this production is male. The yeah. violinist, the pianist, all of the voices. Which, for a song that is named Girls Just Want to Have Fun, makes zero sense. Maybe um, they considered that it was, like, radical to change the perspective. Um, what? But really, it just comes across as mansplaining garbage. <laughs> yes, and also, there is a moment where Finn, during the song, does the cool teacher move, where he pulls yes. an empty chair around and sits <laughs> in it backwards, facing Santana, uh, which... There are so many yeah. close-ups of Finn's face, Ugh. uh... Where he's like eyes half closed, sort of like if you took the audio away, 
it could look like sexual moaning. Um, oh, gross. Which, gross. <laughs> exactly. That's why I found the song to just be, I, it sounds okay. Like it yeah. sounds fine from like an empirical standpoint, See, but the context is bad. The yeah. context is really, really bad. Uh, I, I disagree. I think that this song is terrible at this speed. <laughs> I think that if you don't sing it as an upbeat pop music number, it's really bad. It's a bad song. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Santana cries. Because it's so terrible. I Be- wish. <laughs> yeah. That's why she should be crying. But that's not the case. Uh, Glee is lampshading Finn's actions by yep. making Santana feel emotions that she shouldn't be feeling like realistically. Yep. And uh, she thanks Finn at the end of the song. And they hug. God damn it. I didn't need this. Anyway, (laughs) let's move on. Double the chicken. Shannon is making an order at Breadsticks, which is effectively all chicken. Um, Yeah, she's picking up like her her takeout order. And that's the funniest part of the scene for sure. (laughs) It's just like the waitress reading, the hostess reading down the ticket being like, and instead of a side salad, more chicken. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's good. Um, Yeah, we have to hold on to this because the rest of this scene is going to take a real turn. Because as as she gets this chicken order, um, Shannon turns around and sees Sue and Cooter are in a booth. uh, Yeah. Very close to one another because Becky is taking their picture. How's Suter for their couple name? Mm, How about... hmm, What's the other one? Q. Q. Uh, I like suitor, I guess. <laughs> I think it's fun because it's um one of those words that sounds like other words, but isn't spelled like that word. Homonym. Hey, look at that. You pulled that out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm impressed. But yeah, so suitor is there. Um, And Sue effectively just gloats at Shannon. Yeah. We find out that Coot has been a long-time booty call for uh, Sue, and they're very PDA, like, they're very into touching each other other. Uh, and we find out that Shannon punched Coot accidentally when he tried to hold her hand. Okay, so that's one of the things about it. Cooter comes off in this scene as a douchebag because he is. Yeah. Um, he's he's like, I need more than a friend because I'm a man. Right. Um, which he explains that he viewed their, re- like, he didn't think they had a romantic relationship because yeah. it wasn't moving at a pace that he expected it to. And Shannon wasn't very communicative about how she felt or something yeah. like that. So apparently it's her fault. Also, I hate this trope already because I'm so sick of this being a thing where, oh, this man is so desirable and these two women both want him and they must hate each other because they love the man. I honestly can't even imagine why Cooter would be interesting to anyone. Uh, I hate him. (laughs) Well, yeah. And uh, Sue is obviously using him just for political gain. Like there's, there doesn't seem to be any sort of underlying feeling feelings for her yeah uh, and it bums me out that instead of like talking to shannon about how he didn't think their relationship was progressing he just started going out on dates with somebody else yeah well it's obvious that cooter also has communication issues 
which yeah. we already established because he's a man. But yeah, because he he has the thing like you said where he he says, "Well, I tried to hold your hand on that last date, and then you punched me." And it's like, why don't you just talk to her? Like, you don't have to initiate physical contact yeah. to test the relationship. You can just talk. And eh. not only that, you could say, "Hey." Want to hold my hand? Yeah, exactly. Even even Santana asks to yeah. hold hands, so we can all do it. Really, even Santana. What are you saying? Are you saying Santana's uncommunicative? No, Santana's actually pretty, really good at communicating. Yeah, she's very good at communicating, and definitely very good at explaining her feelings. So that's true. So so then this scene ends. Um, we move to. What is a fun joke, which is the gym yeah. during election day, where all of the high school students are voting in the fake, crappy sh- little election, <laughs> and no one is voting in the real election, because yeah. that's how reality works. <laughs> Especially in 2011. So, JBI, Jacob and Israel, is here doing election coverage, uh, I guess live. Uh, For who? <laughs> <laughs> For his blog. <laughs> Yeah. The forums. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, live uh, live forums. Yeah. We get uh, a Britanna cheek kiss that's very cute. Yes. Uh, because he's asking Santana and Brittany who they're going to vote for. Santana's like, I'm Team Brit all the way, of course. And Sant- and Brittany says that she's voting for Rick. <laughs> yeah, she's voting for the <laughs> hockey player. Which, to be fair, Jacob and Israel, as like a political pundit, I guess, it does play it off pretty well, where he says, "Well, you know, you don't, you, you can miss a vote here or there, Brittany. You're going to do fine anyway." <laughs> and that's when Sant, as the camera's moving away, Santana kisses Brittany's cheek, and it's very cute. Yes. Okay. So then, uh, JBI goes over to Kurt and is like, is trying to be like, "You're going to lose. You're going to lose!" Yelling at him, and it change the scene changes. Uh, into Kurt, like, framing himself as the lamb to slaughter, and yeah. Finchel tries to comfort him by being like, oh, well, you're going to do fine. Look, there's <laughs> Quinn. She's going to vote for you. Which then transitions the scene again into a nice little montage of people voting. Um, the first two are Quinn and Mercedes, which is fun because we hear their reasoning for yeah, why they're like voting. Yeah, like little monologues for yeah. who they're voting for. Uh, Quinn uh, is like, well, just like my dad, who votes for people based on their ethnic well, yeah, he, background. Yeah, he. well, she says, I agree with Kurt, and I think he has probably the best positions, and Brittany's crazy. Um, but just like my dad, who votes for the least, or for the most white candidate, I'm going to vote for the most female can- candidate. Which And she votes for Brittany. Yeah. Then we see Mercedes, and she's like, well, I am in the troubled tones with Brittany. However, if Santana's girlfriend wins, I'm never going to hear the end of it. (laughs) Which is such a good reason. (laughs) So she votes for Kurt. Then we see Mike jamming out uh, to some sort of music on his headphones, come in and really emphatically vote for Kurt. And then we see Finn Finn? voting for Kurt. And Santana voting for Brittany. Uh, yep. She kisses the the ballot. Yep. And notably, we do not see Rachel vote. Um, no. But then... and, and we do get a Puck's vote as well. Oh, he wrote yeah? in Ross Perot. <laughs> God, how are all of these Glee students so well-read? I don't like, know. They're but... so well-read for like, like cultural things that happened 
15 to 20 years before. Which we know why. They, it's they because the showrunners are all that old. And like, yes. that is their, you know, meme base. Yeah, But it come is. on. <laughs> anyway, um, then it cuts to Wemma talking to Shannon. Well, actually, I forgot. We had a little bit. Kurt votes as well. Um, well, yeah. Do you think the uh, yeah Kurt in, having anxiety about Niata and, and stuff his like life that while in voting, general? Yeah. Uh, do you think the like modern equivalent to that Ross Perot vote would be like writing in Bernie Sanders or something? What's the Jill Stein? Maybe Jill Stein. <laughs> oh, Jill Stein. She's an anti-vaxer, so yeah, don't well, listen to her. Also, she might have been supported by Russia, so who knows? Oy. Oy. Uh, Bernie too. So the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> is uh Wemma comforting Shannon. Uh we're still in the gym. Shannon is like the voter voting official? For, yeah. yeah. For both. She's got some of, buttons and stickers. I and... do well before we move on from that, I do like the I love voting, but it the lo- the heart is an Ohio that's red. Oh yeah. That that's was cute. cute. Yeah. And uh we see Sue and Cooter who are there posing for pictures and doing an interview or something they kiss like really make out yeah yeah it's it's some heavy pda and becky like delivers a uh polaroid yeah a polaroid of the pair kissing to shannon like hey this is for you sue wanted to rub it in your face (laughs) yes Uh (laughs) which because that's the um sue or shannon is telling wemma Oh, she's here to rub it in my face. And Wemma's like, no, that can't be it. It's just a mm-hmm. political stunt. Uh, but then they do tell Shannon, because Shannon's like, well, you know, I really I really have feelings for him and blah, 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 or whatever. And Wemma says, well, you need to tell him. Emma specifically is, you need, you need communication, honey. Yeah. Do it. You just need to say your feelings. Yes. Uh, um, and uh, we also get a very like awkward line where Shannon's like, I feel like my emotions just sound like a sad country song. Right. Which is supposed to be a transition, but yeah, it's supposed to foreshadow the oncoming non-diegetic number, which is the Dolly version of Jolene. Yep. It's fine. Uh, Yeah. I I feel like it's out of dot Jones's range. Honestly, it's interesting. I think, I think it's done in an interesting way. For the fact that yeah. Dot Marie Jones has a lower range, um, I actually kind of like it. But sure. the problem, once again, like we've said multiple times this episode, is that the context of this is awful. I'm yeah. sick of it. Like I don't want sure. her. I don't want Shannon. Like I don't see what Shannon sees in Cooter, and I yeah. don't give a shit. As he's terrible. Yeah, because this song essentially is in that like line of trope of. Two women fighting over a man, and yeah. I hate that trope. So it's gross. Uh, there's like a weird section where she's comparing, seemingly like visually comparing herself to Quinn yeah. and Sue. Yeah, because uh, instead of auburn hair, like in the original song, it's golden hair. Yeah, and we see Sue like doing her makeup in the girls' bathroom, and then also we see Quinn. Quinn doing the same. Yes, which I don't know if they're supposed to be. I I honestly have no idea at this point. It's very weird yes. <laughs> that the Quinn bit is brought up. I, I guess it could be a visual representation of Shannon dealing with, like, normalized femininity and, like, how she doesn't fit into that. 
like, idea? Sure, I don't think Glee is anywhere not, near deep enough for that. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh-huh. This, this pool is very shallow, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it's only up to our ankles and then just barely. Uh, Sue and Coot are featured again. Uh, they're... They are doing weightlifting. See, that that was one of the things I also noted is that it's funny <laughs> because Cooter says, well, all we ever did was work out. I didn't know if it was dates, but apparently he and Sue also work out yeah, as a date. Because, so. because we see like uh, Shannon going into the lock, like walking through the locker room, plaintively singing this song to Cooter and Sue, who are doing like weightlifting, staring right into each other's eyes with like... Yeah weird grimaces on their faces well they're doing tricep extensions with pretty heavy weights maggie it's it's gonna make some grimaces but they also kiss i think so all right mr exercise okay i i don't know i didn't know what the move was (laughs) you're fine but no they like kiss also but it's off screen like Mm. their their heads get close to each other when we only see the tops of them (laughs) And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, Jane Lynch has something in her contract that she can only have two heterosexual kisses in any episode of TV. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I bet. Uh, then the scene ends with a nervous Rachel coming in to vote. Uh, yeah. Because well, Rachel like cuts off Shannon's revelry, like non-diegetic song bit by being like, are you all right, Coach Beast? And she's like, yeah, ah, I'm fine. How well, are you, Rachel? And Rachel's like, I'm I'm fine. Well, that's that's the thing that's weird about it is Rachel is like, are you okay? And then Shannon's like, are you okay? And Rachel's like, yeah, I think so. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's the end of that scene. It it foreshadows the future, Maggie. Um, oh wow! You know, it's uh really amazing how artistically driven <laughs> Glee is. But anyway, how how narratively well-crafted mm-hmm. the story is. Um, yeah. So the next scene is Santana getting accosted by the male gaze. It's great. Hooray. <laughs> Weird. So this is, it's, it's post-commercial. Santana's walking down the McKinley hallway, and she gets a once-over from a couple nerds. Yeah. Well, but... <laughs> it's gross. Yeah, the... The thing is, it's, like, very, like, gross once-over. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, most once-overs are actually pretty gross now that I think about it. But but these ledger like, nerds are yeah, just... <laughs> in the, like, teenage boy way that is only accomplished by teenage boys being disgusting. Like, Yeah. And yeah. furthermore, we get a talking, disgusting teenage boy. It's yep. a sophomore captain of the rugby team, right? Yeah, I didn't even write down his uh, name, though. His he's name fucking... is Josh Komen, Ugh. and he's like, hey, Santana, that commercial was hot. You know, I think that you just need a straight man to straighten you, you out. out. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> disgusting. Um, and then the trouble tones and the Glee girls sort of uh, converge yes. on to Josh Komen to destroy him. <laughs> Yes, they, it, I, I do like this, even yeah. though I'm not a big fan of, like, the growth. I mean, I think this I think is one of the better te- ways. Yeah. yeah, I think portraying teen boys as gross is accurate. and Which, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, fine. W- well, we've complained in the past about how Glee 
too accurately portrays some things of like homophobia and like mm-hmm. bullying stuff. But I think it's fine, especially in this way where they then shut it the fuck down. Where yep, they have totally. all of these female characters go, hey, you're an asshat. And none of us would date you even if we, like, he calls them all lesbians at one point. Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't matter if we were because we aren't going to date you. Like, Yeah. And this is the thing about this song, because this is where they're going to sing I Kissed a Girl together. Yeah. It hey, just, that's the name of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I have a note that says, what if they were all gay, though? <laughs> but, yeah, I I was... Uh. Com- I was complaining while I was watching this to Chris, where I was like, I'm going to have to pick this as my best number, but I don't want to, because this song sucks. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, the song itself, lyric for lyric, is about, like, pleasing men yes. with, like, female, like, like women on women sex right. stuff, which is not great, obviously. No. Katy Perry has gone through quite the ringer, I would say, <laughs> about the lyrics. Deservedly. Of course, uh, and like I like I said, it's just I I watch this and just think what could have been, you know. Yes. Well, that's and part of it too. So they're they're singing "I Kissed a Girl." They move. They goes down the hallway into the choir room. Yeah, it starts in the hallway. Did that? Did that happen? I don't even know anymore. I would <laughs> wager not, but I mean. <laughs> Because they, because it transitions directly, like they walk into the choir room while singing to finish the number. Yeah, I so, mean, well, they did they did something like that with girls or who run the world, girls. Where but that one happened for sure. <laughs> Are I think. you sure? Okay, I mean, I, it's very good. So I guess I because don't care. It's, that but... that number was good enough that it inspired Rachel to run. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for office. Right, but I don't know. I guess it's a nice way of fighting back against all those lecherous nerds that really yeah. were gross. And but I'm not mad at like the visual transition of it. No, uh, it's just like definitely very musical esque. So yeah, doesn't fit in with a lot of other Glee framing. But hey, whatever, right? Yes. Um. Yeah. Rachel and Santana are on lead, of course, because. Santana's an amazing singer, and so is Leah Michelle. And um, they have, to, and Rachel has something in her, you know. That, well, <laughs> Leah Michelle absolutely has something in her contract about how many songs she gets to sing. So. Right. Yes. Um, my note, much like an earlier song, is that there's too many dudes. Um, they do a lot of cutaways. To the oh, men yeah. of Glee in like, this song, cutaway, like the cutaways to Rory's like face, where he's like, it's, "Ooh, bonerific." S- speaking, <laughs> yeah, not, speaking of lecherous nerds. Stop. <laughs> I I like some of the Glee men reactions. Like Mike is just like, yeah. <laughs> well, and uh Klein is like recording it on their cell phone. Yeah. So that's well, pretty good too. Of course. But yeah. Um Katy Perry's a gay icon. Um Yeah, yeah I don't re- I guess it's uh, sort of a crutch that Glee falls back on a lot is that they have to have a male framing device for yeah. a lot of Things? Well, the the three showrunners are all men, so of course they yeah. tell all of their stories from a man's perspective because they're pieces of shit. And the director and writer of this episode are both men. Yeah, which so. this episode, it, I mean, it really 
really well explains what they're trying to do here and like why this is like a white knight Finn situation mm-hmm. of like, oh, men will men will make it okay for you to be a lesbian, Santana. Watch <laughs> us go. Like, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So at the end of this song, Santana triumphantly tells everyone that she came out to her parents and they were fine about it. Yeah. I don't know why that happened off screen. Well, Maggie, one, they Who didn't knows? want they didn't want to get it more actors. They already got yeah. some actors actors but they want to get more yeah, they actors. don't want to have to hire more brown people also i think part of it is that and this is one of the things that i'm not sure if i'm happy or upset about this but i think glee didn't adequately address the fact that this like as it as it's playing this thing up where finn is like oh you know we are all you're we're all your best friends and we don't care who you are but we know the world outside is really shitty like <laughs> in reality like a lot of homeless youth are LGBT because their yeah. parents kicked them out because they, yep. yeah. And I think that is a completely realistic reaction to happen here. Yes. You know, which, like it, it is yeah. definitely not out of the, out of the bounds of what could have, could have happened. Yeah. Which I just, I feel like instead of addressing that really like, cause Santana kind of brings up that like possibility with some of the other, like early, like when she slapped Finn, she's like, everyone's going to know. Yep. Which, like, kind of leads to this idea of, like, oh, my God, like, maybe this won't be okay. Is she, yeah. Is her family going to reject her? Who knows? Which they, I mean, they do it, but they don't do it in a way that actually means much. Like, it's it's that, emotional. It, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's, it's definitely emotional. Because it, it's going to happen in a couple scenes. So maybe we'll talk about it then. Uh, yeah, we do but, get a plug here that she's going to tell her abuela. Yeah. And Figgins comes in and calls for Kurt Hummel to his office. Yes, um, which we move to Figgins' office. There have been some irregularities in the votes, in, in the uh, student election. So Yeah, Figgins gonna... at first congratulates Bert yep. for his exiting poll numbers because Bert is just there. And uh, Shannon says there were too many votes for yep. Kurt. Like, there just were too many math- mathematically. And Kurt comes out of this meeting to- and talks to Finchel um, and that's when Rachel confesses, like after Kurt leaves and is like, I'm going to get suspended. Uh, Rachel confesses to Finn that she did it. She stuffed yeah. ballot boxes, which we, we get a cut scene of her doing that. Um, one of the things about the like bit where they're in the office is that Kurt says, he's like, Oh, I did consider I, cheating. I thought about doing that. And but like, I didn't. What? And like all of the adults give him the same awful, like i i don't know what the best term for this is but the like most shitty adults like looking down on a kid look where they all like they all like shake their heads and like look down at the ground and i'm just like could you even consider that (laughs) but yeah scum but yeah, and so yeah, he he's worried because he's not going to get an Eniata, he's not going to get to go to sectionals, he's not going to be going to school. Yeah, his dreams are going to fall apart, and he's going to have to manage a Sonic burger. Yes. Which is a weird way to say Sonic, also. <laughs> well, Maggie, maybe they're trying to avoid any copyright issues. Maybe Sonic wasn't okay with being in Glee. It's America's drive-in, okay? It, so, should, take, it should take any uh, advertising we'll, it gets. We'll come back to that, but in the meantime... Puck knows the quadratic equation in, yeah, we're in geography Hag- class. Oh, we're in Hagberg's geometry class. 
<laughs> okay, but no, no, no. But earlier, because no, we know that, yeah, we know that that <laughs> perhaps Irish lady is the geometry teacher. But also Bless earlier, Sylvester. Yeah, well, and also earlier this season, there was that cutaway of Brittany being an idiot, and she's in, in Hagberg's in class, yeah. and Hagberg is like, "What's the capital of Ohio?" And Brittany says, "Oh, it's literally the same classroom. Yep. It's the same teacher." She like what? I don't know. Only, I don't do know. They, okay, do and we're have... not su- we're not supposed to know. It's not supposed to matter. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say it, maybe the joke like maybe there is like a thing here where Glee is just trying to like we have one other actress that does all of the teaching like in yeah, every other. And I think it's fine. Like yeah. no, I think <laughs> it's fine it too. I need, just... it doesn't need to. They don't need to have this fleshed out universe. <laughs> I think it'd be funnier if they were more direct about. Yes. It, like if they made more meta jokes about it, but they don't. No. So. Well, I was just, I was going to say, it's like, did you see the, uh, the thing that came out today about how apparently in Arrested Development, they originally were going to cast, um, a different actress for Anne for every episode. But once they oh. had Mae Whitman, they had Mae Whitman on, uh, she was just so un, un, unremarkable. That they were like, That's we'll just so keep you. Because Mae Whitman's amazing. <laughs> she is. Uh, and yes. she, I mean, Anne egg wouldn't work <laughs> well i mean it kind of still does <laughs> like, but yeah oh, so uh, yeah in this geometry class there's puck blaine asleep tina and Artie. Uh, <laughs> tina is full on like all the way asleep head yes. on the desk at yes. the beginning of this uh scene which i thought was funny blaine has like a whoa reaction when puck knows the uh quadratic well all of them kind of do like tina wakes up and is like what puck (laughs) says that he knows this equation because he does the the books books for his his pool business which i (laughs) so maybe he needs it to like calculate the school like the the square footage of a pool to know how much he's gonna charge people i no no (laughs) no that's not it Oh my god! I just love yeah. it. it has nothing. And it doesn't make sense. I I like the end of the scene though because he just he gets a phone call and picks it up and it's just like go for puck. <laughs> and, yeah, and then, and then he just walks out of the classroom. And Hagberg is like, "You weren't dismissed," but puck is gone. Uh, and we see where he's going right away because he goes to Shel- up to Shelby at a hospital. It's yeah. a it's at a hospital. And we find out that Shelby called Puck, even though she knows she shouldn't have, uh, because Beth got injured. Right. Yeah. Apparently, Beth slipped, and the doctor comes out and lets us know that she's going to need some stitches. Um, And then Puck throws a fit about how he wants a plastic surgeon to do it, which I was like, God, that must be so much more expensive. Like, who's going to pay for that? But Insurance. He insists on a plastic surgeon because he's like oh yeah i've had stitches in my time and i guess this is supposed to be proving to shelby that he's a man a a competent human being i don't know a good father for beth if you will because it immediately cuts to post coitus yeah like post bang shelby and puck uh, where Shelby's like stroking his leg and Puck's just like, yeah, I did a good job. Which, okay, so the thing about this is how that... Did, how did it go from... <laughs> getting Beth from the hospital back to the apartment and then also banging? Like, I guess I, I... Okay, I think this is... The writer is doing what they can to 
may like le- lessen the fetishization of this relationship, right? By not showing us like the nitty gritty of it all, which I appreciate. I appreciate it as well. However, but they just shouldn't, shouldn't have done this storyline at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The the big the other thing that's weird about this scene is that this ends up having like Shelby ends up kicking Puck out. Puck kind of throws well, a little Shelby verbal asks tantrum him to leave. Like she's yeah. just like, if you you should probably go. And the Puck like goes on the tantrum right away. Like he's just yes. like, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah. Well, and part of it also is that Shelby is like smiling through the whole scene which yeah. is confusing also it is a weird performance it does sort of imply that shelby is just like huh you young idiot child <laughs> yeah like using him i guess but yeah I, maybe she just has a revelation after they bone maybe consummated maggie maybe his penis isn't that big <laughs> maybe he's just really bad at using any sort of penis yeah yeah, anyway, so Puck ends up, like we were saying, he throws a little bit of a verbal tantrum as he leaves, as he's, like, throwing yeah, his clothes on. Th- I think the tantrum is a little funny, uh, which is maybe why Shelby is smiling, because yeah. she's like, wow, what a baby. Which, yeah, he's like, this is the best thing you're ever going to get, and you're not going to get it anymore, and then he, like, storms <laughs> out the door, and, I mean, Shelby does look a little like, what the fuck did I just do, which yeah, is more, it's less to do with how special Puck is, and more... Oh shit! That was my student. Fuck! What am I doing? Um, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we're gonna get to another scene here. It's yeah. a pretty emotionally heavy one. Uh, we are at some sort of home. It could be. Uh, I guess it's Santana's abuela's house. Yes. Uh, her abuela has made her a bunch of food and is like, "You're like Jesus on the cross. Eat." Uh, Which did you? Yeah. So, uh, did you notice this? I, I'm pretty sure this is the same actress who plays yeah. the grandmother in Jane the Virgin. Santana and Jane cousins. Maybe. Because after I realized that, I don't... The kitchen doesn't look the same, but the, like, living room that she walks into at the end of the scene kind of looks like it. And I was like... No, no, no. We know where we know where Jane the Virgin is set. Oh, and it's right. not Ohio. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so her... Abuela, Santana is like, I need to tell you something. It's kind of a secret, but I, I just yeah. don't want to be open with you. Well, yeah. Like, okay. So first off, there's very well-styled foods yes. uh, in this scene. Like, very prominently displayed, beautiful food. And so Santana frames it by being like, "I, you're very important to me, and I want to be as honest with you as possible. Yep. Oof. Sorry, I burped. So that you c- we can, like, share our lives better. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so Santana phrases it as, like, I love girls the way I'm supposed to feel about boys. Yeah. And this is just the way I feel, and I, I want to not have secrets yeah. with you. And her abuela rejects her pretty much immediately. Uh, yep. Well, asks her to leave her house and is like, there are secrets are secrets for a reason. The sin is in the talking about it. And you're very rude to make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty weighty. I love both of these actresses. Um, I think the performances are both very good. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but yeah, it's just, 
I, I put down a note that Santana does have a nice monologue, both in when she's like, like her explanation of how she feels is very sweet. She says some things about how she loves Brittany and like mm-hmm. Brittany's relationship is her relationship with Brittany is kind of showing her what people are talking about when they say that they love people, which is yeah. beautiful and lovely. Um, and then there's also a little bit about the, well, did you just expect me to keep this a secret? Like, what do you mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's pretty heavy, but like we were saying there, it is, uh, while like emotionally consequential, there aren't a lot of like real life consequences that Santana's going to have to deal with. Yeah. With this, which uh, not to belittle like the, the fact that like her relationship with her abuela is now going to be very much strained and like estranged. Yeah. Uh, but she's not homeless. Right. She, like, she wasn't thrown out of her home, uh, and she wasn't, like, threatened with death. So... Exactly. See, that's that's part of it, is I appreciate that Glee is doing something to address the fact that, you know, just because, just because we had the one story where Kurt, like, sure, like, his peers were really awful to him, but, like, but his, his dad, dad was, was super accepting, accepting and, like... Yeah. But... That's not how it is for a lot of people, especially yeah. like, especially given the time period. Like, I, I'm sure it's still that way nowadays, but like, as, like it just feels like 2011 was so long ago at this point. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> which sounds stupid when I say it out loud. But like, but in know. in 2011, ago. I feel like it was, it it made it was good. It, we needed to have the story on there out there on television to say like, hey, there are kids that get kicked out of their homes and like. Yeah cut off from all of their like family because of and it, it's who they sort are of weird that glee didn't decide to take that path right, right? because they're so into prophetizing about exactly. other garbage yeah like a lot less meaningful garbage if we take the dodgeball right like thing from last week you know yeah. which i mean i don't know maybe for once they realize that even though ryan murphy is this like gay voice icon or whatever um, I don't think any of them have real experience with yeah losing. They're a little bit too privileged. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, I I mean, I think it's maybe a good thing that they didn't try to do this when they had no con. Like, they didn't have enough actual experience to do it in a way that was both realistic and also portrayed a message. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I maybe they were worried they were gonna tread over well worn ground because Quinn got kicked out of her house and Sam is already homeless. Yeah. But both of those people, I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, Glee has, has very rarely been afraid of treading over well-worn ground. Exactly. Re sex, teen sex, Madonna last week. Once again, <laughs> two ugh. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, then we flash right to Puck and Quinn macking hard, which is a great transition from a very emotionally weighty scene <laughs> yes. between two family members who are now getting each other out of their lives. Uh, they're making out on Quinn's bed, and Quinn reveals to Puck that she wants to make a baby, and that's why <laughs> she propositioned him. Yes. Um. Yeah, and then. The which is, oh my god! Like <laughs> I just calls, like after Puck realizes this, he's like, "You're a mess, and you have been a mess since I knocked you up." 
Yeah, which I did write. I, I think it is nice that Glee is finally like admitting something here where they're like, we kind of just ignored Quinn all last season, even yeah, though we, she had just had a baby. Up, up, because she definitely had some problems. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he he talks about Puck does a this weird This is more thing. mansplaining, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. Cause like he, he mansplains her worth. Exactly. Like he's, yeah. he's like, you know what? You're you're gonna get out of Lima, Ohio. If anyone was, it's gonna be you. And yeah. Quinn is like, oh wow, I guess Amazing. so. <laughs> and then yeah. she demands cuddling. <laughs> Jesus. She's like, we're not gonna have sex, but you are going to spoon me. Yes, it's happening. Yeah. Um, which does lead Puck to. Like, because yeah. they cuddle, he, he, and then Quinn is like, so you said that thing about angry sex earlier, which Sam and Maggie didn't talk about at all, Whatever. but who gives a shit? Um, and then Puck, like, it, we get one of the, like, helicopter, like, wi- wheel, or not helicopter, plane. Yeah, like, like the whirring. The whirring and, like, zooming out and, like, fading to black as we explain it's everything. Implied, yeah, yeah, it's implied that uh, Puck is going to tell Quinn about Shelby, because yes. he's like, I have a secret, but you can't tell anyone else about it. Oh, my God. Never a way to start a sentence with anyone, especially Quinn, though, maybe. (laughs) Especially Quinn, because she's obviously not in her right headspace. No. Okay. So, the next scene is uh, Sue and Cooter discussing Sue's loss and what's going to happen between them now. Shannon shows up. Yep. And Shannon kind of... Um, announces that she's not going to give up in her yeah, pursuit she, of Cooter. She also professes her love. Like she says, yeah. I'm in love with you, Cooter. Uh, Which, Cooter is gross yeah. because he's like, I like you, but I like Sue also. <laughs> Which I thought that was maybe heading towards a sister wives kind of idea. But yeah, uh, it's sort of, it's could, could go to that, but it could also go to let's watch you mud wrestle for me. <laughs> Which... Yeah, which, yeah, because Sue also refuses. She says, I've lost everything else, um, and I haven't had a happiness, I, ha- I haven't had any happy moments in my life since the day that Becky, and she uses the word waddled, which I am not okay with, but <laughs> Becky came into my life, so Cooter's the I'm, next best thing after that, yeah. is what she says. Sure, whatever. Uh, I want to close the scene by asking you, Sam, how do you bench a wildebeest? Um, carefully. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, so uh, that's what Shannon says she's gonna do to prove her love. Yes. Um. So then the next scene, we're wrapping up Lady Music Week because yeah, it's the now... closing ceremonies for Lady Week. <laughs> now we're only going back to singing man music, obviously. Um, <laughs> Will and Shelby kind of like as they the teachers, I guess, have a little speech. Um, where yeah, they yeah. they talk about how they're going to be much more empathetic in their competition at sectionals now. Which I don't think that's true. I don't think that was ever true. Like, no, honestly, <laughs> we've seen. It's actually kind of funny. We've seen more empathy between, like the well, mostly because we see it between the Glee clubs and other characters who are in the show in other choirs at sectionals. But yeah. that's because they're characters in the show, like. The first season, we didn't give two shits about the other choirs because we didn't know anything about them. So, like, obviously, they're not very empathetic towards their, like, rivals when we don't know anything about them. Whereas, yeah. like, last year with 
the warblers, everyone was really happy and nice to Kurt because Kurt was their friend. So Yep. So Kurt congratulates Brittany on becoming president. Yep. Uh and we it's notable that Rachel is not there. Yes. Um, and then Santana, to close it out, as Will announces or whatever, who gives a shit? He's barely in this episode, thank God. Um, she sings a song that she says is about like the struggle that we all face or something like that. Um, yeah. But she sings Constant Craving, which is another Melissa Etheridge song, which is why I think this is the unofficial Melissa Etheridge episode. <laughs> I, isn't There's another cover of Constant Craving, too. Like Katie Lang, I think, d- does it? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I think I'm the... looking it up. Okay. But anyway, so Santana sings this and then we get some montages underneath as we normally do with an end of, end of episode song. Um, and we also get some Shelby singing this song. Um, and then Kurt sings like a single word at the end. And for some reason he's included in the like credits for it, but he sings like yeah, one word. I guess because Kurt is another gay character, uh, who is feeling a lot of strife. Um, well, yeah, and Shelby yeah. is a woman who's having a relationship with one of her students. Problem. She's having a relationship problem. Let's yes. just say that. Uh, uh, Quinn has, like, a weird face on yes, for because, most of this yeah. scene. And, like, Tina is even like, Quinn, are you okay? Like, right before they start singing. Yeah. She's, like, gla- well, she's glaring at Shelby, which is... Yeah, well, yeah. rightfully so, if she knows what we think she knows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah uh, we get some cuts to Shannon weightlifting also, yep. but she's not singing. No. Uh, and Clayne uh, are preparing Kurt's Niata application. Yep. Like, they get it all uh, enveloped up. Yep. And then Rachel we see cries as she walks down the hallway. Rachel. Okay, and the final note of the song is Santana with Rachel on top of it. Oh, okay. Did you notice that? Because there's like a harmony, but it only seems to be one person singing. Very uh, High School Musical too. there. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, But it's Rachel uh, on top of that note. Santana. But she's absolutely not singing uh, <laughs> diegetically, so... Yeah, but... Sort of artistically lazy there, folks. But anyway, I mean, that's not surprising to me. If I had to use one word to describe Glee, I would say lazy. Um, But so uh, Rachel comes into the room at the end of the song and announces that she is suspended because she fessed up to stuffing the ballot boxes. um, And everyone's like, oh. But not only is she suspended, she is... uh, Banned. Yeah, banned from participating at sectionals next week <gasps> and that's the end of the episode yeah it's uh, yeah it's funny it's it seems like in the uh, in the cases of the other characters like the suspension implied that they would not be able to attend sectionals but she says that Figgin specifically said that she is banned from competing at sectionals so yeah. uh okay so this is definitely a clear indicator that the trouble tones in any realistic universe would absolutely win yes uh, <laughs> i guess we'll find out next week but before that we have podcast business podcast business pod, pod- come on podcast business metaphor and metaphors are important gold stars are important because gold stars are a metaphor for me being a star that was really good
That was that was really something. Oh. I think that was the best one yet, honestly. And our EP should be dropping pretty soon here on SoundCloud. Check it out. Uh, so first up is Gold Stars. This is where we give uh, characters that we think deserve a gold star a gold star. Yes. So, Maggie, is this the week? Are you going to give it to Finn? I'm giving it to Santana. <laughs> I am also giving mine to Santana. <laughs> of course, right? Because, like, there's no other obvious choice. Because fuck Finn, fuck yeah. Puck, fuck Shelby, fuck all the rest of them. They're all fuck terrible. Fuck the mansplainers. Shelby's yeah. making extremely poor decisions. Yes. Uh, Quinn is vindictive Evil. and trying to use sex for coercion. Not yes. cool. Yeah. And, uh, and I, Rachel is a straight up. Cheater. Cheater. Yeah. The other, I, I would say, I think I would I would be more appreciative of Shannon's storyline if it wasn't an overused trope. Like, Yeah, I'd be more appreciative of S- Shannon's storyline if they weren't narrowing her character down to, like, a heteronormative Yeah, car- caring about a man. Thank yeah. you, Glee. It's um, gross. But yeah, so, yeah, Santana, obviously. So let's move on to best number. Best number. So our options this week are... Perfect uh, by Clayne. It's the Clayne sweater duet. duo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they are both wearing sweaters, so that's accurate. Uh, I'm the only one by Puck. Then there's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Nope. <laughs> it's Terrible. Not, it doesn't even count as a song. Okay. <laughs> then we have Jolene. Uh, I Kissed a Girl. And Constant Craving. Yes. What do you think, Maggie? I, I mean, I, I honestly can't even call Girls Just Want to Have Fun a song at this point. So <laughs> It is pretty bad. Uh, I liked Constant Craving. I think that's my second favorite. My third favorite is going to be Perfect by okay. Clayne because I yeah. just sort of envisioned them singing it together in the car and it was very cute. Sure. And I can't really get over the image, but my favorite for the episode is obviously I Kissed a Girl. Yep. Even though it showed me um, just a glimpse into a universe where maybe it isn't all sausage all the time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what a universe that would be. But um, what a Glee universe that could have could have been (laughs) if they had Allison Schulman writing every single episode. It might have been. Yeah. um, Sorry. no, you're. No, I believe me. I hate. I hate how much men there was in this show, especially this episode where it's supposed lady to be like week. like lady week, and it's just all men. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Anyway, it's just um, all men explaining to women how they're supposed to feel, which is gross. Um, I picked constant craving, um, mostly cool. because I. I cannot pick I Kissed a Girl because that song is trash. Um, <laughs> I did I did have like a notable mention for uh, Jolene, mostly because I really like that song. And I do like, we talked about it around the time, but I think that Dot Marie Jones's octave actually makes it like a different, like gives it like a yeah. different quality, which it's I, definitely- I like. It's so. definitely... Um, like it doesn't sound like a carbon copy of the Dolly version. No. True. Yep. Um, so last piece of podcast business, the thing we do every week, the slushy rating, where Mm -hmm. we give it 
Yeah, uh, you know, we give it a nice slushy facial and then get suspended for violence. Except not really, because well, slushies won't get suspended because slushies aren't considered a weapon by the school board. Right. Um, but out of five, Maggie, how many slushies did this episode earn from you? I think I'm going to give this episode two slushies out of five. Okay. Uh, because I, I think the coming out scene really saves it for me. Sure. Even though I'm pretty frustrated that they didn't include, like, Santana coming out to her parents. Yeah. Because, like, and just mentioning it offhand uh, is a little trivializing of, like, what can be a really traumatic experience for a lot of people. Yeah. See, that's... Uh, It was was lazy. If anything, it was lazy. Yeah. Like, whatever. Instead, yeah. Uh, And I like that the Quinn Puck Shelby stuff is sort of coming to a head yeah. because it's going to be over soon. That's Thank good. God. Yeah. Thank <laughs> uh, God. And, um, song selection is fine. Yeah. Except for girls want to have fun. Yeah. Um, which really epitomizes the mansplaining air of the whole episode. Yeah, um, I'm going to give this episode three out of five slushies, um, mostly because I think up to this point, there have been some flaws in the episode that are pretty, like, that can be somewhat overlooked, but this one, just everything that has to do with Finn is There's some really inherent problems to the plotline. Yeah. horrendous, and I just, I can't let it go, because you know what, like, this episode could have been really fucking good. Yeah. And they decided if, to make it into a piece of trash instead. So Why didn't they have the girls sing all of the songs? What exactly? Like, like why? Why why, why did they have the men do it? Because it's only okay to be a lesbian if men are okay with it? <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like and that's, <laughs> that's why I what, hate that's, it. That's definitely the message that you get, right? Yes. Yes, and also that like Finn doesn't have to apologize. For what which he, he did. he absolutely which, needs to. <laughs> yes. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing is, I, I, I was, like, when they, when Santana calls Finn fetus face and everyone mm-hmm. who's in Glee Club is like, <gasps> but, like, Finn deserves to be. Finn is a baby. He's a, he's yeah. a young little baby who can't admit that he's done something wrong. So instead he is, like, trying to prophetize that. that everything he's done is so good that they need to sing a song about it. (laughs) Yes, because that's what Will taught him. Because Will is awful also. Because Will's a horrible role model. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But it's just, yeah, I just, I'm so, I'm personally offended by the fact that people are taking Finn's side on this. When it's like, he Santana didn't just slap him out of nowhere. It's his fucking fault. He yeah. is the reason that this has come to a head. So don't even. And it's Ugh. it's preposterous to me that there aren't characters being like, Finn, this is your fault. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. It's, um, I, I think I'm changing my rating. I'm okay. also going to give it three okay. out of five. Yeah. Because uh, mm. fuck Finn. <laughs> right? Like, this should be a Santana episode, and for the most part, it kind of is, but it also is a Finn episode, and it's it didn't need to be. Definitely yep. didn't need to be. Because uh, we shouldn't be lording this uh, homophobic asshole. <laughs> no. I fucking... Well, okay. To, like, um... <laughs> th- this just kind of goes along with, like, last week, where 
uh like i was saying chris that was the first time that chris was like i can't wait until finn is dead <laughs> and like oh. but like this episode doesn't help this episode no. definitely doesn't help and i earlier in our recording i did call for finn's death and i sort of want to apologize for that um because i understand that it's not the character or the actor's fault that this is happening um it's just very shitty writing. Yes. It, it's, it, yeah. And, and, yeah. But so, that was the apology corner. Um, let's see. Let's talk, let's talk about Joe's email before okay. we get any further. Uh, yes. They had some great points to share. Uh, first off, as we already mentioned, the shooter thing. Yes. That was pretty good. And let's, I need to pull up the email. One so, second. yeah, um, I, I'll just, from memory, the first bit, I will apologize. I personally don't know much about Roxy music. Um, and I yeah. apologize for well, insinuating I, that nobody I would. don't either. Uh, well, Joe lives in the UK, so. Yeah. That maybe they have a little bit more of a handle on that sort of thing. Sorry. <laughs> We're Americans. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, also, I do like the. It, so Joe made a masterpiece. Yeah. Um about how all of this is like linking together. <laughs> yeah. So they framed uh they framed a lot of this. You know, what? I'm just going to fucking read it. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. So Blade obviously created the magical subdimension, blah blah blah. Sebastian is absolutely evil. I'm glad you agree. That's so clearly true. So the supernatural beings that are around that are around Lima, Ohio, are warring against diegesis. Obviously, <laughs> Blaine is trying very ha- hard not to get involved. All he wants to do is fuck with humanity and sing Beyonce. He'd be a terrible soldier. Both true. Uh, anyway, the. There's only one way the war will end, and that's if the child of prophecy, Kurt, is found and chooses a side. So it just so happens that Blaine has found said child and has decided that he would make a wonderful toy. But what does a trickster demon care about diegetic consistency? But now that Sebastian's turned up, which means that everyone else knows about Kurt. And if someone else knows about Kurt, you can bet that people on lots of sides, on various sides of the diegesis conflict, will know as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they they close that off with saying, things are about to get interesting. <laughs> Which, yeah. Uh, in other news, don't worry about Mike. He's just been phasing in and out of reality because he's been hit with a vanishing enchantment. Sometimes he's in the Glee reality. Sometimes he's in the Glee reality, but seeing an alternate Glee reality, which explains how he's seeing his dad when he's not there. Sometimes he's in the Glee dreamscape, which makes sense as he keeps showing up at other people's fantasy sequences. <laughs> See, that, that really is like maybe the, the killer point for that is that yeah. Mike does appear. Like, they reuse all of the characters in each well, other's dream because, sequences. It's because Harry Shum Jr. is such a like charismatic. Yes. Uh, he's like a charismatic bot. Like, what's body charisma? What's. I don't What's know. A, body bo- charisma. He's got body charisma. So yes. even when he's not talking, he's, you know. he Yes, you can feel him in the room. Yes. Um, but that's because he's vanishing between dimensions. Uh, yeah. And then let, let's close off this little bit, okay? 
And sometimes he switches reality entirely and is a glittery by immortal warlock living in Brooklyn, which it's fine. <laughs> the enchantment will wear off eventually. Nothing to worry about. Uh, I definitely want to read whatever fan fiction <laughs> Joe is talking about here because yes. I'm really sort of all about that. Yes. Um, I, I was kind of hoping... That maybe there's another television show where Harry Shum Jr. Yeah. Is, is there another that? television show where Harry Shum Jr. is that? Because I need to consume all of it <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> but it's very good. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. It's it, it. I I think honestly most of our metafiction has come from Joe. So like, well, we... that's not true. We came up with the Blaine being evil by ourselves and the Brittany being an alien, which are the two main ones, right? Well, and Sue being a time traveler came from Joe. That did come from Joe. Yeah, which definitely. is is a is kind of a big part of it now that uh, it seems like uh, Blaine, because based on the Roxy music thing. Blaine yeah. might also be, as he is an immortal de- well, demon, like Blaine is ageless, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Because uh, he doesn't conform to human time structures. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's very good. I'm just, I'm very appreciative, Joe. Um, your your emails always give me so much happiness when it comes yeah, to Glee, which is nice. They're always very good. Um, and thank you for telling us about Roxy Music because we were both too lazy to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but Also, uh, it, this Diegesis oh. War is an interesting thing because the show itself seems to be on a side, and that is against. <laughs> yes. Well, that's... Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think... Mostly because I'm not entirely clear on the Diegesis War, but if yeah. it, if what I'm seeing makes it, it's like the war against a narrative, or like yeah, the war against a, a cohesive narrative. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, um, if you if that inspired you in any way, you can also contact us, just like yeah, Joe uh, has. And I do have another note from a different uh, fan. It's my partner Devin. Uh, This is a quote that they gave me last time they were listening to an episode. Here we go. The Finn shot where he's glowing angelically is a visual representation of Rachel's compulsory heterosexuality. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, that makes... I mean, if we're seeing it through Rachel's eyes and Rachel's programming has, you know... Yeah. Has the dial set to hetero. (laughs) Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. Uh well, thank you, thank you to Devin for that as well. Um, yeah, and if if you have anything, just like Devin or Joe, you can contact us either using Twitter, we're at snmhateglee, um, or email snmhateglee at gmail dot com. Yep, you can also check out our Instagram, which is snmhateglee. Uh, sometimes we post like screenshots of texts. Yes, that's fun. Uh, you can check uh, us out individually at other places. Sam has a podcast about Magic the Gathering called All Out Brawl. Yep, and Maggie has a website at mcar.biz. And you can also find our Instagram, mcar.jpeg, J-P-E-G. Um, cool. But yeah, I think that's just about everything. Next week, we'll be back with Season 3, Episode 8, Hold On to 16. It's sectionals Hold on to 16. Time. It's sectionals. But uh, in Trouble Zelda, tones oh. and new directions, head to head. With Rachel Berry out, who will win?
I mean, the Trouble Tone should the win, tones. but we know the Trouble Tone should win. <laughs> we already know who is going to win. It's New Directions. Yeah. So anyway, next week we'll talk all about that. But until then, I've been Sam, and I've been Maggie, and we hate Glee from the top. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha